Jesus said, Man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. Right? We, we think God saved the Jews, but not really Gentiles. We forget stories like Jonah, where the end of the book of Jonah says 120,000 who do not know their right hand from their left. There are many biblical commentators who look at that and they say that, that what's being referenced is the moral ignorance of the Ninevites, Nineveh being the capital city of Assyria, Assyria being one of the most violent and barbaric empires ever in the world, and certainly at that time. Jonah being very reluctant to go to Nineveh, some would say out of fear of what Nineveh might do to him if they rejected his message of repentance. I would argue that Jonah was reluctant to go to Nineveh because he was afraid that Nineveh might believe his message of repentance. And he didn't want them to believe. Jonah says to the Lord, he says, is this not what I said to you when I was in Tarshish? When I was in my, my home country? That you are a gracious God, slow to anger, keeping steadfast love and relenting from sending disaster? Jonah gives it away. He very plainly tells the Lord why he was so reluctant to obey, to go to Nineveh and to preach the message that the Lord had given him. Jonah was reluctant to go because Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. Assyria had violently abused, persecuted Jonah's people, Israel. And Jonah wanted them to pay for their crimes. Jonah wanted them to be punished by God. So he was reluctant to go because he knew that if he went, Nineveh might repent. And he knew that if Nineveh repented, he knew the character of God. That God is gracious, slow to anger, and he relents in sending disaster to those who repent. And at the end of the letter, the end of the book of Jonah, we find this language where God says to Jonah, he says, you pity the plant. Right? The only time, it's funny, over and over and over throughout the story of Jonah, we see that Jonah was unhappy. So unhappy that he wanted to die. Kill me, O oh God. He was unhappy when God called him to preach to Nineveh. He was certainly unhappy in the belly of the great fish. He was unhappy when he was in Nineveh. He was unhappy here, unhappy there, unhappy everywhere. There's only one point in the book of Jonah where he is happy. And he is happy when God causes, in his mercy, a plant to grow up over him and provide shade from the sun. Jonah's happy about that. The repentance of an entire nation, he's not really happy about. People coming to faith in Christ, people being saved and forgiven by God for all their iniquity and sin, he is not happy. In fact, he's angry about that. But he's happy about shade. He's happy about physical comfort. But then God sends a worm to eat the plant, and it withers overnight. And Jonah, again, is not happy. He is unhappy and so unhappy, he says, that he wishes to die. And the Lord responds by saying, you pity the plant, which you neither watered nor planted. You didn't make it grow. I did that. And yet you pity the plant. Should I not then pity Nineveh, this great city, 
where there are 120,000 who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left and also very much cattle? Which seems random. But ultimately, the argumentation of the Lord is this. What he's saying is, Jonah, you don't pity Nineveh because you believe that they're morally, morally culpable for their sin, which they are, and therefore they deserve to die. They deserve to be punished. They deserve to not be pitied. And as we know from the last couple of weeks, there is a pity that is wicked, that the people of God should not possess. But there are times where we should have a righteous pity, as the Lord has pity for us, for sinners. And so God is ultimately saying, you don't pity Nineveh, but you pity the plant. And what God is ultimately doing is he's unraveling and revealing Jonah's logic. God is basically, he's condescending and he's stooping down to Jonah's level and arguing with Jonah's own logic and using it against him. Because this is the logic of Jonah. Jonah's thinking, Nineveh does not, is not worthy of pity because they're morally evil. But this poor little plant did nothing wrong, God, and you killed it? I think that's the argument of Jonah. And I think that's precisely why God responds by saying, if you're arguing for the plant on the basis of its innocence, that the plant did nothing wrong, that the plant is not morally wicked, and therefore I was wrong to destroy the plant, by that logic, in Jonah there are 120,000 who do not know the difference between the right and left hand and much cattle. So if I'm wrong to destroy the plant because it's not guilty, the cattle in Nineveh aren't guilty, and 120,000, who might they be? See, some biblical commentators say the 120,000 represent the whole city. And it's speaking of their moral ignorance, that they don't know in a, in a figurative language the difference between the right and left hand, meaning that they were morally ignorant. I believe that the 120,000 reference is to those who literally didn't know the difference between the right and left hand. Children in Nineveh. Children. I think God is saying there's 120,000 children in Nineveh and livestock and cattle. And by your same logic for why it was wrong of me to destroy the plant, it would therefore be wrong for me to destroy them. Shall I not pity this city, Nineveh? That's his argument. And the book ends. Jonah's one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's not the text today, but it's just, it's so good. I can't, I can't help but preach it a little bit. And Jonah is speechless. And I think Jonah eventually had a change of heart because we have the book of Jonah, which someone had to write. And for someone to write it, they would have had to know the story, including the heart, incentives, and motives of Jonah, which seems as though only Jonah knew. So I believe that Jonah came around, that he came around. But the point is, the larger point in light of our text today, if it's 120,000 children in Nineveh, most scholars would argue that it was around 500,000. And the whole city, from what we can tell in the book of Jonah, repents that they turn from their wicked ways. Which means that, yes, God was primarily working in Israel according to the flesh in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, but there were some one-offs among the Gentiles, and not just individuals like Ruth and Rahab, but from time to time, cities of 500,000 Gentiles were grafted in came to faith in Jesus Christ. 